a train drives in to the fucking front room. And let's let's get this clear. An actual... Well, I don't know if it was an actual train, but certainly a life-size replication of the front of a train is driven through the set. In the most amazing fashion. It looks very good. Yeah. Not like Hollywood movie, like, good, but considering... The staging of such a thing, mm. this set, probably in the middle of like a warehouse or something, I say probably didn't have a full train. If they did, they wouldn't have had a track to run it on or anything. Mm. It looks amazing. It, and uh, my, my, my theory was that they threw the living room at the train. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three revitalised returning rapscallions review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. We are back and raring to go with season two. I am your host and my name is Phil Dean. I will be your guide through this magical journey of every episode in the entire show, or at least as far as we will go. Uh, Doing this journey with me to the left is a returning... Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Phil. Just a thought. If we are rapscallions, are we also fighting scallions? That we are. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, in case you didn't, um, that's, that's the strange name that they went for as Westbridge's yeah, fo- high school football team. Yeah, vegetable. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited to catch up with our favourite magical family. Indeed. And uh, see if the man to my right shares that same view and opinion. It's Mr. Christopher Evans. Hello, Chris. Hello, Phil. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm good. Oh, it's very exciting to are be you... back, isn't it? When we embarked on this journey, did I think we'd get to season two? No, we're here. It's happening. We are. We're, we're gradually making a dent into this show. We've got seven seasons all together, but we're on number two. We're getting there. It's a thing. It's a thing that's happening, and we're progressing with it. What year are we at now in the airings, by the way? We are roughly right September 97. So we're still in 97? Yes. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. So this season is going to take us into the glorious uh, realm of 1998, which I am uh, personally excited about talking about. I the just... best year, but we'll get onto that. Well, we will. We'll get into that in time, in a, in a matter of months' time. So I'm going to tick. So 97 was the worst year of my life but 98 was the best year of your life and mine wow so yeah um well well, it's a toss-up between 1998 and 2000 but 2000 i've heard isn't great for sabrina yeah so have i uh we'll uh, yeah we'll um, see if that comes to pass as uh, time goes on but we've been warned haven't we we've been warned we online by people that we will regret doing this once we hit the 21st century so we'll see <laughs> well we're very excited for that but we're up to season two now and boys it starts off with a bit of a twofer doesn't it it does. It's a double episode. It is. Getting ambitious right off the bat in season two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, our first episode of season two is entitled Sabrina Get Her License Part One. Mm. Uh, and that's not a liquor license either. No, or, or a driving license. What is it, Graham? It's a magic license. When you turn 17, obviously the first season began with her 16th birthday, her learning she's a witch, her obtaining magical powers. Season 17, you need to prove that you are proficient at magic in order to pass a test, in order to be authorised to perform all the magic you so wish. Yes. Quick quick one. Mm-hmm. Quick one. Okay. They knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. She gets powers at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Why not just, you know, start... Doing the test then? Can't it's it's. I mean, we'll get into this. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about in season one about uh, witches following rules and regulations in the witching world, and they make a reoccurring point that they're not allowed to assist Sabrina in any way. Just oh, so, yeah. so as soon as she's seventeen, they give her this book, and it's up to her to do with it as she pleases. Isn't it also in Harry Potter at the age of seventeen that they can do magic outside of Hogwarts? Yes. That's entirely possible because obviously same, same universe. universe. So it's the, it's the equivalent to Sabrina doing her OWLs or her NEWTs. Yes. So, uh, yes. so it's, it's very true. So it's it's our first two for it's going to end in a bit of a cliffhanger and we're going to tell you how we get there. So boys, are we ready to crack on with episode one of season two? I was born ready. 
I was born Rosie and then I had a sex change. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. And we're back. (laughs) So here we are, uh, we open up the episode, and uh, as Graham said, yeah, he... uh, (laughs) As Graham said, he had a sex change. (laughs) As Graham said, Sabrina is 17, it's her 17th birthday, and we know that because all the characters are wearing uh, birthday hats and throwing some confetti, and Salem is demanding an omelette, as what happens on all our 17th birthdays. She lists that her 17th birthday is so exciting because she's got a boyfriend. She's doing well in school and she's getting used to being a witch. She says it's going to be the best year of her life. And just before we crack on with the episode, I wanted to ask you guys, how did you find being 17? Um, Well, that was the year that I lost my virginity, so it was a good year for me. Okay. I think being 17 is... Not that I wish I was 17 now, but I think... Your late teens, particularly seventeen, when I mean in sort of in our um, sort of way of doing things, you're either you've either left school and you've got your first job, or you're in sixth form college, possibly thinking about going to university the year after. So you sort of you feel like an adult, but you're not. So you don't really have much responsibility, but you and also you think you know fucking everything. Absolutely. So I think really you never feel more like you're the fucking shit. Than when you're 17. So, yeah, I think, I think it is a, a, a fairly good time for, for a lot of people. Not everybody, obviously. So, being um, yeah, being 17, yeah, you think you're an adult, but you certainly don't act like one. And it's something you look back on. Especially, I mean, we the three of us talk about this quite often, actually. When you look back at your past and think, oh, my God, what was I like 10 years ago or so? But, yeah, good I, grief, we talk in great lengths about being 17. What? I, I mean, I can't speak for both of you, but personally me... I was such a dick. If I was a dick. <laughs> yeah, me too. If we made this, if we made this podcast when we were seventeen, you know, you you think we're obnoxious now. <laughs> you 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 want you wanted to have heard us ten years ago. Three bigger dickheads you could not have met. <laughs> no. So uh, yeah. Well, no. Let let let's be fair. On the dickhead scale, we were. We were above average. We weren't at the top end. Okay. Yeah, we were. You know, yeah. We weren't at the belfry. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We weren't. We weren't sort of like. Oh, we never bullied anybody or anything. Oh no, no. I just. I don't know. Yeah, just sort of. Just that level of sort of. Just yeah. Just fucking obnoxious. Cockends. Cockends. Just sort of pretentious. You know, if, if H- I, hiding behind a MySpace profile. Hiding. Probably... Yeah, exactly. And you know, I didn't even have MySpace. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That's how obnoxious I was. I was like, no, I'm not gonna do MySpace. That's. That's what peasants do. How much of a dickhead I was. I used MySpace. I didn't use any privacy settings. And I blatantly chatted up and flirted with other girls very openly where my girlfriend could see. You fucking dickhead. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I'm ten years gone. I'm absolutely not that person. Well, a year after that, I definitely was not that person anymore. But, my God, what an awful time to be alive, 2007. Oof. I mean, you know, we made those mistakes on social media. So people today don't have to. We are martyrs, aren't we? We, 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 we are, exactly. Social media. You know, we said we're not dickheads anymore, and now we're like, thank us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we are still 10 years later, still dickheads. So uh, as we say, yeah, Sabrina is celebrating her 17th birthday. She's hoping it's going to be good because she's getting used to being a witch. So she's you know, she's starting to balance um, her workload of school life and her, and her boyfriend. Hilda and Zelda present her with a handbook. A literal hand-shaped book, as every witch has to take a test at 17 and pass to get their witch's license. Uh, It's got DMV on it, and it's shaped like a hand. Yeah, I was going to say, it says DMV, and obviously in America that's the Department of Motor Vehicles. So what the fuck is it for witches? I don't know, what could it stand for? The Department of Magical... Velocity? Magic. Vixens. Magic. Oh. No, because the Vixens would be solely female. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. The yeah. Department. Yeah. Department of. Yeah. What the fuck does it stand for? <laughs> hmm. If if you have any ideas what DMV could stand for in regards to a witch's handbook, uh, please. Please get in touch and let us know. I think if you're going to make that joke, if you're going to sort of, you know, sort of like compare getting a witching license with getting a driving license, which is also something a lot of people do when they're 17, you kind of need to... Are you going to put DMV on the front of that handbook? You kind of need to come up with a witty acronym (laughs) 
or a witty like sort of reason for why it's also the DMV. And it's a bit weird that we've got to uh, come up with it ourselves and uh, try and think of what DMV could mean. But yeah, if you've got any ideas what you think uh, it could stand for in regards to the magical realm, yeah, let us know. Hashtag DMV. Actually, don't use that. I'm sure we'll no, get flooded. Don't, use that. Yeah, don't, don't, use, don't that. use that. <laughs> or do. Yeah, why not? So Zelda tries to warn Sabrina that she only gets two chances to uh, pass this test, but she's cut short because she'll be late for school. So she runs off before her aunts can warn her about the consequences of not studying for her test. Hey, Salem says, I thought I asked for an omelette. Hello? Hello? And he gets his omelette and has a yeah, good morning. I, I, I love Salem. It's In not- that moment, it's just like, hey, I am here. <laughs> Give me food, I'm a cat. Exactly. And it's nice that the first instance that we see of Salem in season two is him being an, an obnoxious, selfish. <laughs> yeah. Twat. yeah. Um, so the titles start, and a bit of a difference. The music seems to have had its pitch raised and sped up slightly. Maybe they wanted to devote more time to the actual content of the episode, so they sped up the title sequence. Maybe. I mean, it sounds a a bit more like our title sequence. Yeah, so now now uh, we may be sort of skirting closer to uh, copyright infringement, which um, which uh, isn't good. But um, <laughs> or, or, Also, not my area. Not no. my problem. No, not at all. Um, so she's dressed as a lobster? Yes, and she, sa- she says, don't be so shellfish. <laughs> there was an actual joke, people. A joke. A joke and a relevant costume to go with it. And Graham laughed. It's it, Yeah, I, I've heard that joke before, obviously. It's like the standard lobster pun. Yeah. But I like it. I think I love shit puns, as you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we've started on sort of a, uh, you know, a reasonably good note here with these gags. I look to see if... They can keep it up, but I remember we kind of quite liked some of the early mirror gags um, in season one, and then by the end we were absolutely uh, despairing with them. So <laughs> I imagine the same thing will happen here. We may even see some from season one recycled. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I hope not. That would just be far too lazy. But They're already recycling the opening sequence, i.e. the costume changes that she does are exactly the same. So, if they were to recycle some of the ones from season one, I would be highly disappointed. Just before we dive into the main bulk of uh, the first episode of season two, just a quick question to you guys. What are you hoping to get out of this season? Is there anything in particular that you're hoping to be different to season one? Something you're hoping to see progress? I hope it addresses the sort of key differences between being 16 and being 17, which we've just discussed, like, you know, sort of how you really do sort of get towards adulthood. I mean, I think you graduate high school at 18, don't you, in America, so um, a little later than uh, than we do. Although, to be honest, as I say, if you go into sixth form college, which is like the in-between from high school to um, uni, then uh, you are in domestic education until yeah. you're 18, and then you go off somewhere else to, uh, to do university. So... Yeah, I hope it sort of addresses sort of the fact that, yeah, you are very sort of fully self-noting when you're 17, but it does start to creep into your mind, I will be responsible for myself soon. I hope it sort of, I think there was some, even though it sort of got the premise of sort of magic and everything, I thought there was some very good um, addressing of the issues that 16-year-olds face. Mm -hmm. So I hope this series does the same thing for 17-year-olds and appreciates the difference between the two. Yeah, cool. Chris, anything to do with story or show format or you know anything that you want to see? Um, I w- I'd like to see the journey of, of Sabrina using her powers for, for more good and less selfish reasons. I'd like to see her take that change. Obviously, as we've just discussed, were obnoxious 17 year olds mm-hmm. but I'd like to see that change in her over this season rather than you know it's all about me yeah well we do get a a taste of that at the end of this episode but we will uh, get to that when we get to it so we're at school and we're greeted by a flustered anxiety ridden Valerie the new gal on the block who bumps into Sabrina in the corridor Sabrina introduces herself and tells her not to worry as it's a pretty friendly school That is until Libby walks behind her, calling her a freak. Bitch. Yeah, Valerie wonders why she's called a freak, worried that Sabrina is odd, because for once, she wants to be in 
with the cool crowd. Never going to happen, love. No. Awfully sorry. But she's worried that she's put her foot in her mouth. Uh, she goes to leave, but is relieved to find that Sabrina is still talking to her. Just then, a new teacher rocks up and asks Sabrina about taking extra credit. Yeah, no fucking introduction. Just it's like, hey, ne- Sabrina. Oh, hello. Who the fuck are you? So she asks Sabrina if she wants to take some extra credit before noticing that Sabrina's got a unique hand-shaped book. Hey, birthday girl, a familiar hunky voice says, and it's Harvey with a sweet haircut. Clearly not that proud of it, though, because he proceeds to hide it for most of the rest of the episode. <laughs> it does. He's got short, sort of uh, spiky yeah. hair, slight quiff to the front. He's really showing off his his, um, his ear piercing. Yes, it's a top corner um, ear piercing. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's Harvey. We, we're meant to swoon at him. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we can't not, even though he does exhibit some questionable fashion choices. In this episode. Yeah. Mm. There's there's only one part of his outfit that I can relate to. And again, we'll, we'll divulge that when we see Harvey in a new costume later on in the episode. Thanks for the earrings, Sabrina says. Because Harvey got her, um, got her some earrings for a yeah. birthday. Well, yeah, jewellery. Yeah. 17, you're a 17-year-old boy. Your girlfriend's got her 17th birthday. What are you going to get her? Earrings. Yeah, and for Safe Christmas bet. last year, he got her a necklace. It's yeah. a really nice one. Exactly. So he's Jewellery. Jewellery. Safe bet. Safe yeah, bet. Always. My mum said you'd like that better than a knife. I missed that. I, I did too. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. So why would he get a knife? It's, it's one of the only things he knows. Like, you know, in that... Knives? No, no. In the Kinkle household, all he ever talks about is cars, helicopters and apocalypse. Now we've already discussed I this. I wonder if he asked his dad... What should I get Sabrina? And his dad said... A uh, hunting knife. That's a combat knife. A combat knife. With with a serrated edge. (laughs) What the fuck? Because Mr. Kinkle is hoping that Sabrina will do his work for him and um, kill his uh, disappointing son. (laughs) It's not the last questionable thing that we hear of Mr. Kinkle say in a couple of episodes of time. He'll make your blood boil. Absolutely. Oh, oh, are we meeting Mr. Kinkle? In this no, series? we don't meet him in, in the episode I'm talking about. I can't but... get over this knife thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you missed it. No, I'm not completely missed it. it trust me, if we had, if we, if, 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 if <laughs> yeah, we would have had this conversation at the time that we watched the episode if we'd heard that. A definitely. Knife. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, so Harvey, oh, it's all right. It'll have a nice bone handle. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? So Harvey has got. It a... could have a bejeweled handle. <laughs> Then it'd be both <laughs> yeah. sparkly. Wouldn't it be nice in a nice oh, presentation case? Oh wow, the handle—it's rich mahogany. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell! Absolutely. <laughs> Harvey has opted to get her a pair of earrings, or his mum has, uh, rather than a knife. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me thought that Hilda would literally kill for a boyfriend like Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Harvey, maybe. Harvey's Hilda's dream boy. Yeah. She loved that, like, oh my God, he got you a knife. Salivating at the mouth. Um, yeah, he offers yeah. Sabrina a terrible tasting cookie, hoping that Sabrina will bake some for him to take to the bake cell tomorrow. Wow, teachers like you, and you've got a really cute boyfriend. Can I be your friend? Valerie asks. Oh, God. Stage five clinger. Absolutely. Well, Sabrina says, we'll see. I'm holding interviews all week. They both laugh, but then Valerie seems concerned that she says that's happened to her before. Oh, bless her cotton Poor socks. Girl. Yeah. So she's clingy, but I think she's got reason to yeah, be clingy. She seems like, I don't know, someone who's really has seen the worst of um, sort of high school life and so is desperate at a new school to put it all behind her. Uh, and I hope she I hope she achieves it. We cut to Libby in the corridor who tells her friends the good news, that she's going to be the new editor of the school paper. Or at least that's what she claims she's going to be. She's heard, heard a rumour that it might be her. Uh, Valerie says to Sabrina that she should run for the editor itself because... A, you know, uh, she's she's popular and, and she'll do great, even though she's only just met her. I know, yeah, bit weird. But she says that because it's an effort to make Sabrina like her. So, you know, she yeah, again, but she's the new kid in the school. There's reason for her to be a bit little clingy, or st- stage five clingy. Did you say stage five? Yeah, yeah okay. stage five. Back at the Spellman's, and the linen closet doorbell goes, but nobody is there. Instead, it's a hurricane of dollar bills that gust him through the house. Salem can't control himself. Oh, my prayers are answered! And they just saw these, this money is just flying around the just house. just that moment of Salem just going, Yes! <laughs> so I 
thought it was like a dream sequence and Salem was going to wake up or something, but yeah. no, it was actually happening. It was actually happening. This the, All these dollar bills are flying around the house and they, uh, they collect together on the kitchen table and it turns out that it's Hilda and Zelda's bond, which has matured. One that they took out in 1660. And yes, one of our theories is true. They invested. They did invest. We said that they opened an ISA back in, you know, <laughs> yeah. like several hundred years later. So they've... They invested some money. And it's paying out. Yeah. It definitely uh, is. Paying paying out. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just about ten stacks of cash but, on the kitchen table. And this is where, you know, we were like, how do they afford? Considering, I mean, yes, Hilda is a scientist. But nonetheless, I mean, Hilda, as her music teaching probably doesn't pay too much. Mm-hmm. You know, how do they afford this fantastic house? If you've been around 600 years, you've probably got your fingers in a fair few pies, and they do. I wonder if they invested in something to do with the Great Fire of London, seeing this was only like six years beforehand. Oh, yeah, maybe. Oh, well. well <laughs> did they, they invest in something and then set, did set the, fire to London? Did Yeah, did they invest in Christopher Wren's building company, <laughs> yeah. then set fire to London so he could rebuild it? Yeah, maybe. 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 But it's taken a few hundred years to mature. Uh, but no, it turns out we're joshing with you. It turns out it's to do with... Sanitation, hasn't it? Some something that they've invested in. Well, yeah, sixteen hundreds. There was very low to none. Yeah, it was it was rivers, right. of, rivers of shit in the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time. yeah, yeah. Basically, you shat in a bucket and you throw it out your window. Yeah, yeah. Well, they could have invested, I guess, going back to London, like the uh, the sewer system. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they, yeah. they were the archi- architects of that. We know Zelda used to be a miner, so she's definitely used to going underground. So. Yeah. Back at school, and Sabrina tells Harvey that she is going to join the newspaper team for extra credit and to wind Libby up all year. Harvey tells her to make sure that she doesn't forget about the dance on Friday night, the night that they're honouring all of the football players. All of the school's football players are being honoured in this... Um... I'm not right. Nah. It goes back to a point that we made in season one, like, sp- like teenage sports is so big. In American high school. And, we- yeah. and it's just... It's... 100% not replicate. I mean, in university, in a, you know, further education, I guess. No, absolutely not. Because, um, <laughs> very serious. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, what I mean is relative to America, because, you know, the difference here is that, like, if you become a professional football soccer player, you turn professional when you're like 17, 18, you don't go to university. Mm. Whereas in America, nearly every professional athlete came through the college system. Yeah. So the re- so college football, I think some of the biggest stadiums in America are owned by universities mm. and they're where the college football team plays because a lot of those guys will go on to play the game professionally. So they are you know, worshipped like gods because like, everybody wants to see somebody from their university go on to big things in, in their chosen sport. The fact that it's, so, it's not that the kids really see the footballers as like a big as like godlike figures like the actual institution of the school asks you to treat your fellow pupils as superior to you <laughs> it's really weird it is really yeah, weird and the, it, the, like i said it's just not replicated over here is it yeah well that, uh, the one positive thing that comes out of this whole treat them like gods things yeah is that and i, I i'm going to be stereotypical i'm going to be generic um Football players get scholarships. Yeah. But only, and can only in high school play football if they get a certain grade. But then, with that scholarship that they get after high school to go to college, it's given them a college education where they might not have got a college education. Yeah. Yes, it's for them to go and play American football there, but they also get an education alongside. And that, America is one good thing that you've done. <laughs> that Well done. That is genuine. Yeah, you're right. That is genuinely really positive, actually, because even though in school they might not be treated any differently, uh, people who go on to become professional footballers, certainly at the top level in this country, have been sort of millionaires since they were 18. Mm-hmm. And that is not healthy. No, it is no. not. Mi- millionaires with no education because they don't go to university. So yeah. 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 So uh, so they're having a big evening, um, like a big dance, honouring all of the school's football players. Sabrina reports to the classroom where she finds Libby 
Looking for the loser convention? Libby says, yeah, responds Sabrina. And I found it. She's got balls, people. She's no. got balls. Yeah, she's, she's, cause she's come armed. <laughs> she's come cocked and loaded this year. She's going to give back to Libby. Damn. Yeah. Sab's got sass. Yes. yes. I was I was very happy because uh, last season she would have probably just brushed that Cohen yeah. off and said something under her breath and walked yeah. away. But no, she addressed it. She said, Libby, I found the loser convention. And it's your face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's got sass. She's 17 and she's full of sass. It's great, isn't it? Uh, Valerie tries to introduce herself to Libby, but it backfires. Just then the teacher comes in, but it's not Mr. Kraft as promised, as he's grown to detest everything the paper stands for. Good lad. Is it over 17 years he's realised that he hates everything about <laughs> it, so he's not doing it? Uh, she tells the students that the editorial position will not be a popularity contest this year, which obviously angers Libby. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe his laugh though uh, Sabrina is thrilled that things have turned out fair and she didn't have to use magic which when Valerie hears that she tries to brush it off that it's just slang for curse words yes she says oh magic oh it's it, it means curse words that's so we'll see if that plays in it I have no idea where that was I think that was one of Sabrina's less thought out <laughs> responses <Yeah. laughs> well, you could have just got magic you know just you know I wished for it, I prayed for it, something like that. Not yeah. just, oh, I just see magic instead of saying, fuck. <laughs> Somebody more sure of themselves than Valerie would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what the magic are you talking about? Curse words is magic. <laughs> what? No. What were you really talking about? Tell me now. You know, so... Uh... Yeah. Uh, back home and the Spellman's Saberhagen party are all enjoying their fifth slices of cake. Salem does a mean Scarface impression. He does. <laughs> uh, Sabrina rushes off upstairs as she's remembered about studying for her history test, but admits that she hasn't even looked at a handbook yet, ignoring her aunt's pleas. Zelda says she wasn't a problem growing up because she memorised the whole book causing Hilda to literally magic up and bind Zelda to a pair of goody two-shoes. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah that was good. That's one thing they do well. They take phrases and figures of speeches and they apply them literally. And yeah. that's something that the writers do very, really well in Sabrina. We've seen what? it quite a lot. Upstairs, and Sabrina is trying to study and finish her editorial submission piece, claiming that she is great at handling things. However, Harvey calls her because she forgot to, and during his nonsensical ramblings, she ends up falling asleep on him. He says something... Not, like, not, not on him, on the phone to oh, him. On the phone to him, yeah. yeah. Not. But he's talking about what's, what's the word for when you... something... Yeah. Oh, it's so. It's so about. Um, oh, assume. What yeah. happens when you assume? assume? You make an ass out of you and me. It's not difficult, Harvey. Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. But you possibly can't say ass on this show, so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Should the right should have come up with something else that he could say. I mean, something I did forget to say. They should have really well said ass because, boys, this is the first disc we've watched so far. That's a PG. Oh, so they could have done. They could have they said could, that. They could totally. Could they have they, said they've ass? already put. They've already put the warning on parental guidance. You know, they could yeah. have said ass. T- could they have said ass. I'll tell you, Chris. Uh, WWE uh, broadcasts these days are rated PG. There's plenty of uh, ass thrown around. So yeah. I've, okay. And even the odd bitch. So yeah. Oh yeah. And um, Men in Black was a PG. And I went to see that at the cinema when I was eight, I guess, when it was out. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters uh, is it Tommy Lee Jones says shit within the first like five minutes. No, well, there you go then. Oh yeah, there's something like they're allowed one swear word in a piece. Like four movie fucks an hour. In in. What Tommy Lee Jones is allowed four fucks an hour. Doing well at his age. Not in a PG. That's on. I think it's I think that's a BBC standard, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Also, um, in Coronation Street, I think you know this as well. Um, they have a quota of how often they can say certain words. Like, I think like. The the most strong word they can use is bastard, and they can use that I think twice a year. Yeah, uh, bitch. I think they've got some like ten bitches a year or something like that. Yeah, it's a very very interesting sort of how sort of uh, curse words are rationed. Yeah. Uh, Quick question: rating and TV. Could could you trade in those two bastards and those ten bitches for one cunt? <laughs> Why have one when you can have ten with your ten, with your ten bitches? Um, it's it's very similar to this is a contrast to neighbours neighbours. The most sort of profane word they're allowed to use is crap, because it's daytime. Yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> that sort of changing standards. There. I, I, I would have thought it'd be crikey. <laughs> yeah. 
As, as, as we'd, we'd done <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> It's the next day and Sabrina is woken up by a rather loud and 90s black chap, her quiz master. He can tell her that she hasn't prepared for her test, so he gives her a warning. You haven't cracked into this at all. You ain't even cracked the knuckles, he quips. He does a jazzy spin and he vanishes. Excuse me, said Sabrina was sassy before. <laughs> this this guy. This guy. This guy's one sassy man. This he is could, He could sass the sass off a sassy sass sass. <laughs> he <laughs> certainly could. So this is our quiz master. We'll introduce him in the next episode because he's well he plays a prominent role uh, throughout the entire season. So uh, we'll introduce him when he's uh, got more of a role in the uh, the next episode. But this is our quiz master, so get used to him, his jazzy ways, his jazzy clothes. And his, uh, his cool music, he's got cool magical music yeah, when he comes in. he does. I'll give you that. It's very, very awesome. He tells Sabrina that the test will begin when she least expects it. Which, for my liking, would have been right that second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or more, he vanishes and then three seconds later, <laughs> no. it's on. <laughs> yeah. I feel they missed a great comedic moment there. <laughs> Sabrina and Valerie are walking in the corridor, both worried that they did crap at their history tests. Oh, would have got done by neighbours there. I got so frustrated, I almost used magic, Valerie says. What? Shouts Sabrina. <laughs> you know, curse words, she says. I like that. I like that. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Poor Valerie. Sabrina really shits herself. She's like, what? <laughs> used magic? And she's like, no, it's just... It's, instead of, it's instead because, of swearing. Yeah, it's because you told her that it's... It's swearing. Made a, made a rod for your own back there. Yeah. So Valerie corrects herself, obviously because it means curse words. Sabrina heads off to meet Harvey for lunch, but who should make a surprise appearance? And it's our quiz master again. He warns her that the test is coming up soon and asks if she's read up on how to improve her magic, like stopping and speeding up time. She says she hasn't, but she has done that before. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She froze time. It might. I mean, it might have only been for 10 seconds while she sat on the floor and read a textbook to give Gordy an answer about something. But mm-hmm. still, she's already frozen time. Yeah. yeah. She's so not she... sped it or gone back in time. She's just paused it. So she can do that. She can do it. She's just point, point and magic. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Point and magic. So, so she's done it before, so uh, let's, let's kind of gloss over that, I guess. Um, she says she hasn't studied, but she will do ASAP. She then realises that because he sped up time, she's now late for lunch. She rides in the canteen just before Libby is about to sit down in her seat with Harvey, who is wearing, this is what we teased earlier, a hat. A very 90s ska-punk, rancid, real big fish kind of hat. Yeah, um, because this hat is so stupid, I presume there was going to be some sort of joke about the hat. Nobody mentions the hat. It was totally normal for a handsome young football-playing fella like Harvey to just wear a weird sort of like trilby-type sort of felt, isn't it? Yeah, sort of like yeah. hat. He wears it for more or less the rest of the episode, I think. He wears it multiple days in the show. Yeah. You say that they didn't come up with a joke, but you came up with a joke because Harvey's headwear is this week's Hat So 90s. Hat. It's so 90s, folks. See, see what we did. See, see the gag there. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just thought that his, his, uh, his image just yeah, very, very of the, the time because those hats aren't worn, um, in, in a, in a regular sort of school day-to-day business. Maybe if you go to a gig or, or a jazz night or if you work for the, you know, 1950s LA. PD, but but I like, feel like to, you to, guys to, to are wear... ripping on this hat. I didn't mind the hat. I felt I felt like that is something that a 90s, 17 year no, no. old would wear. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I know I, I no, nothing wrong with the actual look, but it's the fact that it's so worn out of the blue and plays such a prominent role in the rest of the episode. It's if Sabrina just went nice hat, I would have been like. Fair enough. <laughs> but because he's just worn it, and it's like Harvey has never worn a hat before. I don't think we've ever seen any kind of headwear on his head at any point because he, I mean, during during uh, season one, he had his lovely uh, curtains and he, you know, you want to let those locks flow. But um, yeah, well, he's I got guess... a nice do. He's got a sweet haircut and he's covering it up with his hat. You, yeah. You're right. I, I'm just saying. I feel like you're giving him too much jip for this hat. Right? We don't. We don't mind the hat. It's just that you're still giving him jip. <laughs> it appears out of nowhere and. Right, I'm not. I'm not okay with that. Okay well, with that. Okay, right, I, I will allow it if, for example, in the rest of the season, he doesn't wear a hat. Does that make sense? So, just okay. repeat that again for me. <clears throat> so, I'll allow this this jibbing to continue if Harvey doesn't wear a hat 
for the rest of this season. If it was just that one-off, I will allow it. But I have a feeling that he's going to wear lots of hats. You will be eating Harvey's hat <laughs> in the next episode, Christopher. <laughs> so she arrives in the canteen and we meet Harvey in his, uh, in his hat. He can't decide what colour tux he wants. He wants a maroon or a dark blue suit he wants. He just needs to wear the suit that he wore in the last series because we swooned like hell over that. Yeah, even so. though it was what Albert Hitchcock's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's plays here. <laughs> Suddenly, in walked a new bloke on the block. It's Vice Principal Kraft. Like the cheese, he says, followed by... <coughs> Loser. By uh, some <laughs> random student in the uh, cafeteria. But it's it's so funny and really like just... Um, just on its own, isn't it? Like you hear, just it's just really out of the blue. <laughs> it's evidently dug in afterwards. Yeah. So it's just really clearly just loser. <laughs> but you wouldn't say that to the vice principal, especially in a close vicinity of the canteen. Just go <laughs> loser. It's not a big canteen. Is it? <laughs> it is many things that canteen. It's been an arcade. It's been a, a dance hall, but a big room. It is not. No. So vice principal Kraft is the no nonsense, no banter, non Mister Pool member of the school board. We miss him terribly already. Mr. Poole is sort of cynical and, you know, sort of um, snarky as he was. He wanted the best for his students. He genuinely enjoyed teaching and he was a, a benign figure. He meant no harm, really, did old uh, Gene. Mr. Kraft, on the other hand, is genuinely, like, sort of aggressive, like, genuinely yeah, sort Yeah, he's, of... he's got his little notepad and he jots things down a lot. Yeah, you make... see, he, he, he thinks he's a police detective, that's yes. what it is. He does, and he also um, is sort of in the pocket of Libby, isn't he? Yes, yeah, because Libby sort of... Uh, well, I mean, we come up to this, because Mr. Mr. Kraft says that the school board have decided that the school dance will be decorated with posters of all of the football players. However, all of these posters will be made by the girlfriends of the players. Which is a bit fucking presumptuous, Hi, isn't yeah. it? Hi, yeah. I was not happy with that. Well, no. neither, neither was Sabrina. No, no, I'm no, not well, surprised. Well, it goes against everything Sabrina stands for, as she makes clear. But yeah, it, all the all these boys will all have girlfriends, not boyfriends. No, oh. all all of them will not only be courting someone, but that person will only be a girl. Yes, and will have the time and the inclination and the artistic skill. To make a, a poster of, of their really boyfriend. girly, sparkly, cute poster for their boys. That's yeah. That's I, again, it establishes Mr. Kraft as just an out of touch fool, and Sabrina is rightfully offended, and not just because she's already got a shit ton of other things to do. Yeah. So may, maybe this this is time that we introduce a new feature for for this season, or maybe for the rest of the duration of the show. Uh, we're gonna have our. It needs a catchy name. The working title is Bastard Scale. <laughs> On one bit, we've got Mr. Kraft, and the other one, we've got Mr. Kinkle. And I want, with each episode, we hear more of the things that Mr. Kraft says and things that we hear of Mr. Kinkle. I want to see who, who is the weightier bastard. Yeah, who is who is the, the filthier wrongdoer in, yeah. uh, in our eyes. On the Kraft-Kinkle scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the Kraft-Kinkle scale. Uh, so, at the moment, we've got Mr. Kinkle uh, is... Well, well, Mr. Kinkle is the clearly the biggest bastard. Mr. Kinkle has point. racked up plenty of bastard points in season one, and we've not met Mr. Kinkle, but we've heard plenty of his questionable child-rearing skills. Well, um, he wanted Harvey to give Sabrina a knife. Yeah, so yeah, and, and we've got the knife in this episode. So he sort of stored up a lot of bastard points before we even met Mr. Kraft. Yeah, are, are, are we wiping Mr. Kinkle's bastard points? Yeah, are we starting Are we starting at zero for both men and then going from now? As or, si- or are we totaling up Mr. Kinkle's bastard points? Yeah. I, think, I think we can't ignore Mr. Kinkle's crimes... But however, so we'll give him a handicap. We'll give it. We'll give him a head start. Yeah. We'll give Mr. Kinkle a head start because, obviously, he was he was an utter bass in the last season. But I don't want to. He can't viciously outweigh Mr. Kraft so early on. So we'll give him a head start. So he is currently on ten bastard points. Yeah, he's on ten. Okay, so well, yeah, we'll give a bastard point each time something bastardy happens. Yeah. So in this episode, Mr. Kinkle wanted Harvey to give Sabrina a knife. One bastard point. Um, Mr. Kraft, where does he stand there? Is he... Oh, well, well, from the whole uh, poster scenario and what he said, I, I feel like uh, 
he needs more than one bastard point for that. <laughs> yeah. I think he needs one bastard point for assuming that uh, all football players will have girlfriends. I think he needs one, I'm itemising this, one bastard point for assuming that all the girlfriends of the football players have time to make posters. And I also feel like he deserves another bastard point uh, for being a bastard in his delivery of what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to tell you that. So, so far, uh, so far, after two lines of Mr. Craft, <laughs> he's winning. Is it three, three to one? Yeah. Okay. So he announces that they're making these posters. Sabrina isn't a fan of the idea and as a consequence gets into Mr. Kraft's bad books, which we learn is not a difficult thing to do. Oh, that should be another bastard point. No, 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 I think no. that's just... But evidently Mr. Kraft hates women speaking their mind, so... <laughs> bastard point! <laughs> bastard point! <laughs> Libby Brown noses him because he's a friend of her dad's and uh, her dad bought him a box of steaks. Bastard point. And he's clearly being favourable to her as a result. Bias. Bastard point. <laughs> he's a crook. Five! Um... Five. And he's been in not even five minutes. <laughs> Great work by the writers in establishing that this guy is just the worst. <laughs> he is sexist, he is corrupt, he is presumptuous. Yeah, just just not He's the behind kind of, in the times. Behind the times you just do not want somebody like him having a key sort of stake in your not the stake that Olivia's <laughs> dad got him. Um, a key stake in your child's future. No, he's definitely unlike some of his uh, roles that he's played, particularly one that um, me and Graham are very fond of. Yes. So we'll use this time to introduce ourselves to Mr. Crafter. So Graham, tell us, who is this fine man? Yes, say hello to Mr. Martin Moore, uh, a, a veteran comic actor. He apparently started out uh, in the... Um, sort of showbiz world as a country singer-songwriter um, later comedy musician who supported the likes of Randy Newman yeah. Frank Zappa Ooh. and the boss Bruce Springsteen oh in the 70s my yeah. and so then he sort of gradually transitioned into comic acting um, it's very interesting that he played a uh, wife beater named Garth Gimble in a satirical nighttime soap Mary Hartman Mary Hartman that character met his end when he was impaled on the star atop the Christmas tree. This show sounds really funny in a, <laughs> in a, in a dark way, and I want to see it. Um, impaled on the star on top of a Christmas yeah, tree? Absolutely, yeah. It's, well, oh, it's a comedy show, Chris. You know. Yeah, well, no, I, I understand that. But then again, that's a death that they'd have in something like Neighbours or oh, yeah, Home and Away. Someone would be yeah. that way. Or Baywatch Nights. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that is a... If you're going to die, that's a cracking way to die. That's an absolutely... That is a great way to go. And uh, the role we were alluding to uh, was in, uh, obviously, Arrested Development, where he played the uh, private detective of the Bluth family and master of disguise, Gene Parmesan! <laughs> hey, uh, Gene! Yes. <laughs> I didn't recognise him in this, mainly because when he's Gene, he's usually wearing some sort of disguise. <laughs> but he's, oh, he's so funny in Arrested Development, so it's nice to see a Gene Parmesan uh, pre-Gene, yeah. as they say. So, yes, yeah, so that is Mr. Martin Mull, a country singer-songwriter and a funny man and wife-beater. Just just in role form, not not literally. Yeah. He's also he's also an artist and he's published books of, of his paintings and oh. works and stuff through the time, so a very well-accomplished man. Yeah, we might not like Mr. Kraft, but what a multi-talented fellow, Mr. Mullis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> multi-talented, literally. Indeed. <laughs> Um, so Harvey says it's a dumb idea about making the posters uh, and is about to explain his predicament regarding tux colours. But the bell goes off and Sabrina has to thus run off. Oh well, Libby says, maybe one day you'll have a girlfriend who cares about you. Can we put Libby on the bastard scale? <laughs> <laughs> you can't really have a scale of three, can you? Or... It's, well... It's just a contest. It's now a contest. <laughs> a contest. <laughs> oh, uh, give her one earlier for calling her a freak as yeah, well. Yeah, on her first day. Yeah. Girl. yeah. yeah. And yeah. she gets a head start as well. She gets another point. Imagine, yeah, we've seen plenty of Libby's yeah. performers. Uh, and so. also, when Valerie introduces herself, she just straight up ignores her. That's, yeah. that's bastardy. Yeah, we'll, we'll start from scratch. With this series, I think. It's yeah. easy that way. So yeah. Who'd have thought Mr. Kinkle, the best one out of <laughs> three of them? Then again, he is the one that we 
haven't actually met and may never meet. So, uh... <laughs> oh god, you're going to hate him in a couple of episodes' time. Uh, back at the Spellmans, and Zelda is counting her money, and Hilda is flapping about Sabrina leaving her book behind again. Zelda says it's Sabrina's responsibility, and they can't tell her what will happen if she fails. However, just then she realizes that she's not got as much money as she had earlier. Where on earth could have this money gone? <laughs> well, we find out because we cut to Salem wearing a coat full of cash <laughs> in a an a, a she like a, a sushi bar teriyaki yeah. restaurant. Uh, Freaking out the chefs. He's literally just sat there with his poor of money pushing it towards them. Pushing a wad of cash towards them. And his coat is full of money. And he's fully dressed. He's got a shirt and tie yeah. underneath. Yeah. And the... And the, uh, the, the, the he, he's sat upright like a human as well. Yeah. And the two the two Asian chefs are just like, what yeah. is that? They're, they're, they're conversing in Japanese. Like, should we serve him? He's got money. We can't. He's a cat. And one of them goes, we can't serve him. He's a cat. And the other says, but he has a coat full of money. (laughs) (laughs) It's just brilliant. Of all the things that I did not expect from the first episode was Salem in human clothes trying to push money onto Asian fellows to give him fish. But so in the open, he is is a cat in a coat with money. The best bit said him desperately under his breath so they can't hear him. He's going, please, please. So desperate, isn't he? Oh man, so funny. Uh, Back at school and Sabrina is trying to rush uh, to her extra credit algebra class and Harvey is trying to get those cookies off her. She rushes off to conjure them up but bumps into Mr. Kraft who makes a remark about not running in the hallway. And it's a stereotypical teacher remark as well. It was there. If you want to run, then we have field and track. The corridors are for... Walking. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, does, that doesn't require a point, because he's, he's just relaying health and safety there. Mr. Kraft leaves Sabrina, and she magics up some cookies, only for Mr. Kraft to come back literal seconds later and be astonished that she's got a tray of cookies. If I wasn't on antihistamines, he says, I'd look into this. <laughs> uh, the... Why? <laughs> what, what could he be on to need them? I don't know. I mean... Pirates? <laughs> It's an interesting little wrinkle to his character, though. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. little development. And we we do see Mr. Graft sort of grow as a character quite early on in this season, so it, it's good to get these little uh, glimpses into uh, what he's like before uh, behind the scary uh, vice-principal mask. Sabrina heads over to give Harvey the cookies. However, the quiz master returns and zaps them away, telling Sabrina that if she studied the book, she'd be able to reverse the spell. But because she hasn't, she can't. He leaves, and Harvey is really upset. Couldn't she just magic up more cookies? Yeah, well, well Harvey, Harvey just walks into her. She can't just run away from him again. No, I mean, like, when the quiz master was there, just go, ding, ah, didn't reverse the spell, just got new cookies. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd just go ding and get rid of them, and it would be a terrible circle. <laughs> a vicious circle. And Harvey would just, I mean, things... And like, then Harvey come out, <laughs> just <laughs> watching her and a, a random, like, brightly dressed man um, just making cookies appear and disappear <laughs> over and over again, and that'd be game over. Well, it so, could be uh, worse. It could be that the quiz master is only visible to... The witches, so Harvey can't see. All he can see is his girlfriend just bing, bing, just <laughs> pinging cookies into her hand. Whilst arguing with herself. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all stressed and mad. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, so Harvey asks for the cookies and Sabrina apologises about being too busy to make them. Harvey says he's clearly not important enough for her and she's far too busy to be his girlfriend. He tells her not to bother going to the dance on Friday. Ouch, this Ooh. is the first real tiff mm. that they've had. It's gonna happen. Yeah, and it's on, and it's on her seventeenth birthday. Yeah. Seventeen isn't getting off to a great start, is it? Back home, and Zelda is talking about investing the bond money, causing a disgusted Hilda to convince her it's fun money. What's your wildest dreams? Hilda asks, which then lets us see Zelda's wildest dreams, which is passionately investing a big bag of money. Hilda shows her how it's done and daydreams herself with Eric Estrada from Chips in a top-down convertible. Yes. Um, again, the classic sort of um, dichotomy, is that the word, between Hilda and Zelda? Yeah. The fact that Hilda just, just is very impulsive uh, to the point of, uh, as we know, possibly causing actual bodily harm to people. Um, but anyway, she, she doesn't seem to want to do anything to hurt Eric no. Strada. But, well, it depends what she's into, and we don't know. <laughs> yeah. But um, the point is, she just wants to use this money to just... 
just blow it on like fancy cars and a trophy boyfriend and just have loads of fun and Zelda being sort of rational and sort of prudent and everything else just wants to invest it back in. But, I mean, you know, you've got to spend the money sometimes, Elder. Yes. Yeah, but, but... What's the point in stockpiling all that money if you're never going to spend it? But yeah. my favourite moment in or in this section was yeah. the the literal bursting of the bubble. Yes. 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 Very clever. Very uh, good, Again, again, another moment. We've had the goody two-shoes and we've got the bursting of a bubble in this episode. They've done really... And Zelda then tries to be a bit more adventurous in his state. And she is riding a top-down convertible car, but driving into a drive through investment bank. We, we, all know, we all know those. Yeah. We, we then cut to Salem being carried out by these angry uh, Japanese chefs. And all he's going is, please let me at least lick your fingers. <laughs> but they're carrying out this actual cat in a coat. This, this, is, this isn't Salem the puppet. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> They actually had to imagine. Imagine the fuss. The fuss it would have put up putting a cat in a coat. <laughs> but this cat is very docile. It's completely fine. But yeah, they've had to dress this cat in oh, in a raincoat. I fucking loved your reaction, <laughs> then, Craig. Special features putting the coat on the cat. I want to see that. <laughs> Oh, that would have been a deleted scene. We would have. We Chris, can you try and put a coat on your cat when you get home? <laughs> no! Oh, that, please, please, that'd be really funny. I haven't got a coat small enough. <laughs> true, true. At school, and it seems that Sabrina is unfocused in her classes as she's fallen out with Harvey, who won't speak to her because he's busy at the bake sale. Mm. So this tiff is, uh, well, you know, it's still progressing throughout the day. Back home and Hilda and Zelda are about to flip a massive coin about how they should use the money. However, Sabrina storms in and growls because Harvey isn't home and she can't speak to him. She then tries to uh, ring him and Harvey's dad, Mr. Kinkle, says he isn't home. Which, no, it's, he's just parental. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Just, he's, I, don't th- I don't think he'd keep Harvey away from Sabrina. I think he'd just show his disgust in their relationship. I, I don't think he'd stop them being yeah, together. I think he wants Harvey to get out from under his feet as quickly as possible, so he's probably actually very encouraging about uh, his relationship with Sabrina, if nothing else. Yes, yeah. so uh, the, the knife was probably just the wrong So I think he just had a, a blip, had a, an off day, didn't he? Or he wanted Sabrina to kill Harvey, yes. to get him out of the way. Like there's so. that as well. Zelda gives Sabrina the spell book to look over, just as the Quizmaster arrives to give her another warning about being unprepared. Sabrina tries molecular transference, the art of transferring oneself somewhere else. But it turns out she shortened her finger due to stress. Ooh, it goes off like a, a car failing to start, doesn't it? Yeah. Meanwhile, the giant coin has landed, and it looks like the money will now be invested. Boo. The giant coin, we should say, has Hilda's face on one side and Zelda's on the other, and whoever's face lands facing upwards um, gets to do uh, their decision with the money. Yes, indeed. So we return to the school, and Sabrina has been made editor. Hooray! Of the Westbridge Lantern, we learn. The school paper was referenced a couple of times in season one, but we never knew what it was called. The Westbridge Lantern. So very witchy, very... Very archy comics and stuff, I guess. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. She gets a heap of newspaper work to look over, only adding to her workload. Sabrina and Harvey make up and vow to never fight again. She even agrees to make him a poster, despite it going against everything she believes in. She says she'll make the poster because if all the girls in the science club are having posters made by their boyfriends, you'd make me one right. And he says, sure. They're not, though, are they? <laughs> I, I, I quite like that, because I'm sure he would, because he is lovely and caring, and he totally would do that. But at the same time, he's worried, because it's totally not his thing. So <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see some artwork of, uh, of Harvey's. Back home, and Sabrina makes Harvey his poster, ready for Friday's dance. Salem says it's good. If you're into gushy, anyway, boys. Uh, she's just about to sit down and study for her magic exam, but it's too late, because... It's time. Our quiz master is here and he's ready to quiz her on how to be a witch, how to get her license. He said this is when she least expected it. And I guess, sod's law, it was the least expecting time was when she sat down to eventually study it. Do you think he's been watching her and planning the absolute worst moment to spring it upon her? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. He's he's already shown himself to be a bit of a tinker in this. So he's absolutely been monitoring her and the least expecting time was... Literally, she opened the page up, and he's there. He's mm. ready to rock. So the first question of a quiz is about trains and speed. 
However, it's up to her to find the speed of each train. One train leaves the station at 11.55pm, travelling east on the West Coast Rail Line. What time does it get into Westbridge? At the same time, a carriage from the west is travelling in, uh, leaving at 12.15. You know, it's at what times the trains pass each other, isn't yes. it? It's a question. It's like a common... Um, Again, it's like we're saying about using sort of everyday sort of cliches or sayings and sort of applying them to the magic world. She needs to work out when these trains would pass each other. But unlike um, on a standard uh, maths test where you just have to sit down and, you know, just uh, calculate the figures, she has to teleport herself into the cabs of the two trains. Yeah, because he says, it's your exam. She says, what, what? How fast are the trains going? I don't know. It's your test. So, so it's, it's these are actually happening. These are two trains actually happening. So she uses her molecular transference that she manages to nail first time. Well done, Sam's. And she arrives in one train and she notes the speed down. And we also noted down that uh, the train driver of this particular train was our friend of the show, Nick Bakai. Yeah, Salem himself. He doesn't actually speak, probably because he'd sound too much like Salem <laughs> um, in this scene. But he does uh, look at his... Um, Sniffs a sausage roll, does yeah, he? Yeah, look at the sausage roll he's eating because... Why did a girl just appear in the train next to him and then disappear? Yeah. Um, Note my speed down and leave, and he just thinks he's having a dodgy pastry. Um, the other train driver looks like he's about to have a heart attack. <laughs> he's clutching at his heart and he goes, oh, I hate these night shifts. <laughs> it's like, but it was like, the way that he said that, it was like, this has happened before. Yeah. yeah. Well, we I know hate these night shifts. <laughs> The things he's seen, oh my god. So she notes down the speeds of each train, she arrives back in her front room, and she says, they're going at this speed, so they will meet at this time. And our quizmaster says, that's great. However, there is only one train line. And she's like, oh crap, I've, I've got to use her. She uses another spell to make the trains appear on two different tracks, yeah. which she does in the nick of time, these trains, which, when you realise... Just in an effort to teach a witch how to use her magic, they almost killed a train full of people. Two trains, Two trains full, full of people. people. She uses her spell of quick thinking, and both the trains sort of end up passing each other. And she goes, great, I did it. And he says, yes. However, any train that's been diverted still has to go somewhere. So with that, he drags her to the back of the settee, and we hear a familiar sort of train horn, I Yes, guess. and they ever growing a uh, white light coming towards the window. Yes, and that white light isn't oncoming death. It is, well, it, it could, could very be. well be, because a train drives in to the fucking front room. And let's let's get this clear. An actual, well, I don't know if it was an actual train, but certainly a life-size replication of the front of a train is driven through the set. In the most amazing fashion. It looks very good. Yeah. Not like Hollywood movie like good, but considering the staging of such a thing, mm. this set probably in the middle of like a warehouse or something, I say probably didn't have a full train. If they did, they wouldn't have had a track to run it on or anything. Mm. It looks great. It looks amazing. It, and uh, my, my, my theory was that they threw the living room at the train. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, that 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 is entirely possible. It's a very good hypothesis, that, Chris. I like that. <laughs> but um, I mean, uh, the best thing about that is, you know, yeah, again, it does, it's not the most amazing thing it looks, but you get to see the full scope and depth of the set. You really yeah. do get to generally see how big this set is. And this train, it clatters into the room. And, yeah, all the, the platters going everywhere, the furniture goes everywhere, and it's, it makes an absolute mess. But it's, yeah. it's amazing. I, I, I'm still theorising that they recorded this uh, at the end of uh, the run of the first season, and they just were like, oh, we've got surplus budget. Let's throw a living room at a train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's let's not get the train. Let's make the train stationary. It costs people to man it. Instead, let's throw the living room set at it. Yeah, that makes more yeah. sense. It clatters through the front room, and uh, she's unable to stop the oncoming train, and it causes all that damage, which was awesome. You have to remember that all magic has consequences, the Chris Master says, and you have to think about the consequences before you act. So that was the whole point of the... 
the lesson. It's not necessarily like, do this spell, do that spell, do this one. It's more about, listen, you can't just use your magic willy-nilly. I know you're getting used to using it, but you've got to think about the repercussions of your actions, which, again, is an important thing for someone about to enter adulthood. Yes, so, these trains, then. Are they real? Well, obviously they're real trains, but, I mean, have they been created by the Quizmaster as as means of sort of carrying out this? Because, I mean, obviously we see the train driver's reactions to Sabrina as, you know, being shocked, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're real train drivers. They could just be created by this spell and not aware of why they're there. Kind of similar to as Westbridge turns. (laughs) Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, you know, like Stone Burton or whoever, you know, probably didn't know anything about magic or, or, or anything. And also, I mean, if there's only one track that runs through Westbridge, through Westbridge then they wouldn't schedule two trains to arrive at the same time, would they? Because mm. it wouldn't work. So you must imagine that it's that these trains are sort of products of the spell you would hope so because if a regular train crashed through somebody's house that is presumably nowhere near a railway line how would you explain it (laughs) if these two trains were real and were on the same track heading through westbridge and were about to collide someone's just fucked up majorly Mm. in this world so the quiz master uses that to his advantage to try and do the quiz with Sabrina. So that means the Quizmaster knew the trains were going to collide. So why didn't the Quizmaster stop it? Because it was a teachable moment for Sabrina. Right? Making the most out of a bad situation. Exactly. And if Sabrina had done it um, correctly and passed the test, all's, all's good. But that didn't happen, so it's a teachable moment. If, on the other hand, the Quizmaster has uh, made these two yeah. trains and it's a uh, uh, and and they're magical. Then he is one sadistic fuck. <laughs> well, to be honest, I think he's more sadistic if they're real. Because on the one hand, yes, it's sort of someone, somebody at the um, Westbridge uh, Department of Transport is really sort of messed up. But on the other hand, you know, he's causing a train full of real people to crash, <laughs> or, or risking it crashing. So if the train is fabricated and basically just a click of the fingers can make it disappear and mm. none of this ever happened, then that's mm. less sadistic, I would say. Yeah. Mm. It gives us something to definitely think about, uh, particularly seeing that the Quizmaster um, is, plays a prominent role in the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. It'd be good to see how he develops as a character and if our impression of him changes. Well, He's like... a very jazzy, cool guy, but there is this bit that... Sadistic you know, it, it makes us really think. They're going, hmm, is he, is he all that he says he is? Is, is this all just... Magic in an effort to teach her a lesson, or, yeah, is he just mm. messing with the mortal realm just because it's his job to teach a witch how to use her magic properly? Yeah, we will see. Something worth thinking about, anyway. So Sabrina says, so, I got it wrong, which the Quizmaster quips, people will write country music about how wrong you got it. There is a famous country song about a train crash, but I can't, I can't, <laughs> can't remember which one it is, but yeah, that's what it's a reference to. Uh, Sabrina, having failed her first attempt at the test, must now go to witch camp, which is like military school, if it were run by sick and sadistic witches. Hilda has to have attended, surely. Oh, well, yeah, you saw that in her face. (laughs) Yeah, she's been there, she's got memories. And we have stock footage, don't we, of army drills of soldiers like marching in there. Uh, Zelda says she'll be fine. They'll pick her up in two days. So she'll have to go to camp for two days, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, two days, that's not too bad. (gasps) Oh, wait. I know, if she's there for two days, she'll she'll miss Harvey's dance. Well, fuck a duck. And that is the end of our first part. We can't really strictly call it. I mean, it's an episode of our podcast, which is not really the end of the first episode as such, no. is it, of season yeah. two. We've got our part two coming up. But um, so, so far, as, as a taster of season two, guys, how did we feel about it? How did did, did you think it, it, it got off to a good start? I, I feel like it, it's gotten off to a really good start, and the episodes seem a lot more fast-paced now. A lot oh, is happening. Yeah. A lot is happening in little snippets. Cutaways are happening yeah, more yeah, frequently. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this fast pacedness. So it's like I felt like I was I was going along as well as this new storyline and this new character being introduced to the quiz master. I think that they they could play around with that as much as they want. And if that's the overarching storyline for this season, I'm more than happy to go along with that. Harvey's new do. 
let's just hit that up again. That was awesome, <laughs> you know. And then we see, again, the relationship between Hilda and Zelda is still strong, has not changed. Yep. And Hilda is still a, uh, a torturous wench. But uh, introductions of new characters were done seamlessly. It just went from one to the next. They covered a whole lot of bases, uh, and it was... Cracking chaps. It was good, wasn't yeah. it? Good, good, good. Nice, fast-paced. I mean, pardon the pun, but it, it's definitely on the right tracks anyway yeah. for, for, for a good season. Uh, Graham, Ed, share some other thoughts. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, as Chris said, it was. It was punchy. It was fast-paced. Um, I think the Quizmaster character was entertaining. Has a lot of potential. Mr. Craft. It's good to have like an extra villain on top of Libby, who's a bit. I don't know, a bit of a non-threat, really. I think. Um, but Mr. Craft is a man of power, so he could really, you know, mess things up for. Uh, our Sabrina. Yeah, I really enjoyed Salem in a suit. We can't overlook that. Um, and yeah, cliffhanger ending, which is something completely new. And I'm interested to see how all this resolves itself. It's quite a pickle Sabs has got herself in here. Indeed. I mean, I just echo things that both you guys have said. Yeah, I think there is a definite change of, of pace and sort of frantic tension because Sabrina's a bit older. We've, we don't need, the show doesn't need to be as slow anymore because she's not learning how to use magic. Mm. She's crafting her magic. She's honing her abilities now. So it's got to be punchy. She's got to be able to know what she's doing by now. She's had her magic for a year. She's got to have a few tricks up her sleeve. So I think it's nice that not only is um, Sabrina maturing, but the show feels like it's maturing a bit as well with a better crafting of a sitcom yeah like a, a quick cutaway soap opera in a way now so um yeah no i think it was a great episode chris we're not going to ask you to rank this episode because i would i want you to rank it next week as a whole oh as a whole okay thing. but instead just give us just a couple of words how you how you feel about um, this as uh, the first episode such of season two well uh it, it it's getting off to a great start and what i will say is if, if the next episode is on similar level to this episode, I, I think we are going for the top end here, chaps. Mm, Excellent. We're very excited to see that. But what do you expect the final part of this double episode to be about? Graham, first of all, what do you think is going to happen in the next episode? Uh, well, we're definitely going to get some sort of witch drill sergeant who's very strict and hopefully very funny. I think uh, Sabrina is somehow, someway going to make it in time for the dance. Hopefully knowing sort of a bit more about herself and um, hopefully having uh, obtained her licence. Basically this uh, episode probably the best thing about it is that it set you up with a lot of things where you, you really hope everything works out. Which is kind of what you need in a cliffhanger episode. Yes, you need to hope that the hero prevails in the end. And I hope she will. Yeah, especially seeing it, it's, the cliffhanger was based on Sabrina She's trying to do too much. It's not yeah. like she was lazy. She was just trying to juggle too many things. So you've got to feel sorry for her that she wasn't prepared yeah. for the, the exam and she's got herself in this pickle. Um, Chris, anything to add to Graham's comments? Maybe this is the second test. Maybe the reason why she's only there for two days is because they know she'll miss the dance. And maybe her test is actually to escape witch camp maybe okay that's maybe. an interesting idea okay well so next week we're going to wrap this double bill up sabrina gets her license part two will she get her license will she escape from witch camp will she find harvey at the dance well well the title suggests that she does sabrina gets her license part two <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe I don't there could be 16 parts we don't know Chris don't uh, don't jump the gun um, so thank you very much for joining us for the first episode of season two we've had an absolute blast and it's got off to uh, a really really awesome surprisingly towards the end an epic uh, ending so far so we've definitely got high hopes for season two I'd like to thank my colleague to the left thank you very much Graham you're welcome and I'd like to thank my colleague to the right, Mr. Chris Evans. No, thank you. Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats, so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio or iTunes, please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners, and it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Sabrina Watch. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be, be magic. magic.